And welcome to Pop Tarts. Again. <laughs> I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. We're both pop culture junkies. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And our subject today is the upcoming biopic, I, Tanya," The Tanya Harding figure skating story starring Margot Robbie that uh, out December 8th. The film tells the tale of Tanya Harding and Jeff Galuli and the saga of what happened after Tanya's competitor, Nancy Kerrigan, was hobbled at the National Figure Skating <laughs> Championship by an unknown assailant in 1994. And uh, the cast is stellar, in my opinion. As I mm-hmm. said, Margot Robbie plays Tanya Harding. Sebastian Stan is Jeff Galuli. Allison Janney knocks it out of the park as Lavana Golden. Uh, Tanya's mother and there's there's a lot going on here uh, joining us in the studio to talk all things Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan are Harding Kerrigan experts Matt Harkins hi hi and Viviana Rosales Olin hello 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 these two experts are curators of the Tanya Harding Nancy Kerrigan 1994 Museum in Brooklyn New York um, they display artifacts, original works of art, and video installations. Originally, this museum was in your apartment. Is that right? Yes. It, we had a 25-foot-long uh, hallway in our apartment, and we didn't know what to do with it. And it, it eventually became the Tanya Hardy Nancy Kerrigan Museum. But now we have a storefront in Crown Heights, and um, it is way bigger, way better. Uh, we still live in it, though. <laughs> <laughs> It's I, Tanya, it's not I, Nancy. I mean, I do think Housewives is such high art. It'll be the weirdo impersonation Olympics. My father, John McCain, wouldn't be happy about that thing you're saying. I just gave the briefest of overviews about the Tanya Harding Saga. I realized when this film started getting publicity that a lot of younger folks are not aware of Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan and the mark they made on pop culture. Since you guys are the undisputed experts in this field, would you mind giving our listeners a brief overview of the events that unfolded between U.S. figure skaters Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan in 1994? Absolutely. Well, first off, that's one of the first things we noticed when we opened the museum is that there is an age cutoff. Uh-huh. Like if you're on a date with somebody and they're like under like, I think at the time it was like... At the time it was 25, 25. so now it'd be 27. Yeah. If they they don't know what you're talking about. They have about. no clue what you're talking about. So but yes. they'll listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when they find not. out, are they so amazed and mystified? They're, I mean, depends you know, on... it depends on... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my husband's from Chile. He had no idea, but then he was mesmerized when yeah. I made him start watching footage. I made some off random joke and he was like who are you talking about yeah and i was like oh sit down let me tell you the story <laughs> it's our job because we we you know we were six and seven when it happened so but it's just like that's when you're kind of like aware and you're watching things and then like it just took over the news and it's not like today when it's like a 24-hour news cycle it it and it was the only news for weeks and weeks and weeks and that's what we focus on in 1994 because they they had been like in figure skating for years before that. They both started in the late 80s. But in 1994 is when uh, Nancy leaving a U.S. championship, which is a qualifying round for the Olympics, she was attacked. And then at first, nobody was, everyone was just shocked that this had happened. But it had, a tennis player had recently been stabbed in the back while she was on the court. So they were, everyone was assuming at first, oh, this must be some trend of attacking athletes. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it became pretty clear that Tanya Harding's husband, Jeff, was involved somehow and that his uh, friend, Sean Eckert, who was acting as Tanya Harding's bodyguard, was definitely involved in the planning. This was kind of, you have to realize, this was Tanya and Nancy's like kind of like last year. They were like 22, 23, like this was their last year for the Olympics, really. And... um and then, yeah, so during our practice, Nancy Kerrigan, um, she gets attacked. And it's crazy because who would do that? Um, and it was a deep bruise, 
A lot of people also think um, it was a lead pipe, but it was a um, police baton, a collapsible police baton. And we also talked to somebody who knew the uh, security guard who should have been there, and apparently he was out getting a sandwich. Yeah. How did you two get so decide to make that the focus of the museum? Well, we watched a documentary about um, it was a thirty for thirty part of that series, but Nanette Burstein directed it, and it was all about Tanya Harding. It was called The Price of Gold. Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. But the thing that I think we both responded to when we watched it is we both knew of Tanya Harding, but like I knew more of Nancy Kerrigan when it happened, and my like knowledge of Tanya Harding was very much. Like, oh, they named sandwiches after her and like, <laughs> you know, this big joke. And then when you watch the documentary, I was like floored that that this was allowed to happen. That And that still like to this day, even like people refuse to take this story seriously. When if you read about Tanya Harding and like where she came from, how she got to where she got based on skill alone and then what happened, it's such a American tragedy. And it's yeah. like you should take it seriously. There's so many things that are a part of our culture today that are a part of the story. And the fact that these handful of media outlets covered it with, if they covered it at all, with such disdain for, like, the fact that they had to talk about this and how stupid it is because it's figure skating, it it was very shocking to see that. And then to see that at the end of it, Tanya Harding gets everything taken away from her, which just seemed, the fact that she's made it through all of that is so crazy. I mean, I knew she'd had the, that she wasn't allowed to skate again, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize, like, how fucked up her upbringing was and like how just the abuse in her life when I left the screening there was a girl outside that was like visibly shook talking to some guy she was with and she was like I just came from a very abusive family this was really hard for me and I was like Ew. yeah yeah that's like the big thing because I think people don't like look at the whole picture a lot um, whether she knew about it or she didn't um, the point is she wasn't really taught how to make good choices. She didn't come from a stable background where that's a part of the conversation. You know, it's like she was, she had to be so reactionary all the time. And she like, um, and that's another element. Like they, they have it in that scene where like, you know, um, somebody pays the competitor to um, tell her she's a has-been so she'll skate harder, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's something we had heard a while ago too. Um, but it's like she she always would be proving someone wrong, you know? And she met Jeff when she was 15 and he was 20. He worked at, like, this liquor warehouse. And, like, she was like, oh, I'm just going to get out of um, my mom's house, you know, because she's abusive. And, and then she steps into right into another situation. But she never had, like, that that kind of, like, and being in the spotlight the whole time, it's like, when do you have... She she learned her lessons on a world stage, you know. Yeah, and that it's just it's it's shocking, you know. I found it interesting that I think this movie is being marketed as a dramedy, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely there were parts of it where people were laughing out loud. Certainly, it but is there's funny. a it is funny, and there's also a lot of abuse and neglect in this movie. How did you guys feel about the tone? I kind of appreciated it um, because I do like I I. I've been in an abusive relationship and I come from like a, an abusive household and like that's why when we first started watching the documentary like uh, I, I responded so much to Tanya's story and like normally when abuse is handled in like a film it's just so serious it's so depressing right it's and you so, don't it's there's so much weight and it's like I can't watch that you know it's like because when you look at the picture of a life and um I mean, it's it's something you learn to deal with you you know how to cope and like you don't want to be like totally it shouldn't stop the whole movie just to be about that because it's about how Tanya skated through it, you know? And, like, that's what's cool. That's what makes her so badass. And in that angle, I think it um, it was super successful. And Because otherwise, people wouldn't look past it. It would just be, you know... Yeah, like somehow you didn't hate the mom. You, you, you were disgusted at how the mom treated her and abused her, mm-hmm. but she still wasn't someone that you came away hating. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, did you ever love me? I made you a champion, knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. He cursed me. I was just like, oh, that mom tried, and she just sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? As Harding Kerrigan experts, what were your thoughts going in to see this film, and now that you've seen it on a scale of, like, one star to five stars... How do you rate it? I think going in, um, we had heard a little bit about it. And so everything everything that I had heard about it was a good sign. At first when I heard they were making a movie and then I heard the casting, I was like, what? 
But uh, <laughs> I think also that was just like, well, stop, stop being like acting like a, a child. You know, it's like it's a Hollywood movie. But going in afterwards, I'd give it like five stars because I feel like uh, it did. Ex- it's exactly what it says it's going to be. Uh-huh. It's Tanya Harding's story. Um, it has it covers you know all the elements of her story. It leaves out a ton, but it's I Tanya. It's not I Nancy. i totally agree i normally hate biopics i find them so obnoxious and heavy-handed and like i'm they just they often try to like just tell a whole life story and everything's skimmed over and nothing has weight you know and um this i feel was so smart it was so funny um but it was it didn't hide from the like the dark moments like the 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 part that made me just like freaking cry was like that that scene in the courtroom when she's like um being told she she can't skate anymore and just like that it was subtle it was perfect but it was like oh my god we see what this really means we didn't like how hot um jeff galuli was i agree with that because he was too hot (laughs) the real jeff galuli not so hot no odd and sounds weird but this guy was like whoa i mean which maybe like i don't know maybe you understand why tanya was like hey what's up (laughs) (laughs) and then i mean absolutely five stars alone for alice and jenna and jenny just oh one oh. weird thing when we would talk to people about casting beforehand, especially because like running the museum, people would come in and then we'd be like, how do you feel about Margot Robbie playing uh, Tanya Harding? And then uh, some people would be like, oh, it's going to be like Charlize Theron and Monster. And it's like, I don't know. That's <laughs> like, oh my God. That's exactly rude. The same. It's like a little insane, I feel like. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I think. And you guys can tell me if you think I'm right or wrong that Alice and Janney might get a nomination for it. I could see her doing like some very specific things. And then I went back and like checked out that footage of Lavana again. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what she's like. Like, yeah. that's t- really terrifying. I'm having a, a moment here. I think we're going to get Franco playing to- uh, Tommy Wiseau because he's so spot on. And then we're going to have these two are Alice and Jenny are going to come both be winners I think because it'll be the weirdo impersonation Olympics yeah both of them show <laughs> the the original characters you know splice it at the end and it, at the end you're just like so spot on <laughs> it's it is so, it is so nutty because that's a picture that we had in the, originally that was just like it, it's just such a draw Lavana because you know she literally wears a fur coat has a parrot on her shoulder and this chain fabulous smoking. chain smoking, this fabulous bowl haircut, and she just ah, oh, she is just a dream. <laughs> you cannot, you could not, you could not write that. It's just fabulous, and she did her justice. <laughs> so thank you, Allison. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that you you guys started your museum in 2015, mm-hmm. and I believe that that's also when production on this film started. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it about? 2015 that revived all of this interest in the story was it like it was 20 years before was it like this savage uh elect election season was heating up with this massive rivalry and it brought rivalries to the Mm. forefront like what do you think it was about 2015 that made this story just like come to your minds come to the producers minds come to everybody's minds that this is the time to bring that story back I kind of think for this one, a lot of it was the documentary that was mm-hmm. made because it the year before, 2014, was the 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. So then there were two documentaries made that I think were just made because, okay, this is the 20th anniversary and let's like revisit this. And then maybe the trickle down of people seeing that. And it was sort of like what was like what happened with uh, the, the American crime story, People versus O.J. Simpson, like taking another look at these stories that were the only thing people were talking about right. for months at a time. But it was at a time when there weren't so many different outlets to get the news from. So the news you were getting was the same no matter what. And it was like uh, there wasn't a ton of different views on this that were like written up at the time. So it was like, oh, maybe like we are a little bit wrong in how we're remembering this. And I think that's why that documentary was so good, because it really pointed that out, that like the coverage, if you were to look at newspapers or even when they interviewed journalists who covered it, they still laugh about it. It was this huge joke, the fact that they even had to do to cover it. Um so it's like looking back and, and realizing like, hey, I don't think this maybe didn't like get covered the way it should have or could have. I've been to the museum, but can you explain to the listeners what kind of uh, artifacts <laughs> and um, art that you guys have? Yeah, we have a, a lot of like original pieces that are like different artists that 
when we started in 2015, we met a handful of artists who, you know, through the Kickstarter. But then since then, we've met more. We've done separate shows with about like just different topics. So we've just like reached out to them again and had like uh, Laura Collins made a, a painting of Tanya. This with artist, blue eyeliner, blue eyeliner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Covington Smith, this guy who we met just when we moved to our new space made this it's like a it looks like um the cover of like a teen movie in the 90s but it's nancy kerrigan tanya harding and then a skate blade putting out a cigarette um, <laughs> very awesome. cool um and then um we have some things from our original collection we have um what we call the mona lisa of the museum which are these tanya <laughs> and nancy cross stitches um from aurora illinois this couple um rebecca and josh greco it's they're i mean they're you saw them they're stunning you know yeah. they're they're Stunning. Um, we also have this piece by Mike Dennison, who's um, he's an amazing artist. He did this project called Be a Day, which was he drew B. Arthur every day for a year. Yeah, so good. And so that was a natural fit. Natural fit. He did this amazing thing of like them as the shining twins um, because they were in a hallway. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just like, and then for artifacts, um, one the first person we met after we did our Kickstarter was this journalist, Lois Elfman, and she was a figure skating journalist, and she was there from the time. And she was like, she contacted, she was immediately like, uh, we, we have to meet, and we, we had brunch. And um, she gave us a pin from the championships where the attack happened, a press pass, um, some original photos of Nancy Kerrigan, um, like all these scoring sheets that show, like, it's just very cool. It's, it's a trip you will be transported back to 1994. <laughs> it's basically a time machine. And then we also have tons of tabloids. Yeah, uh, like Star Magazine, which when we went online to buy them, I was like, okay, we're going to really budget because they're going to be so expensive. They're like $5. <laughs> blown away. Um, but they're great to go through. Uh, just if, Even if you just open it up and look what's inside, it's um, shocking sometimes. We just found an Us Magazine that has very fun what's in and what's out. Uh, oh god, I bet it's so good. Lyme disease was in. <laughs> um, but Lyme disease is in again. again. Exactly, it's having a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> and Epstein Barr's disease was out. Was out. out. Yeah, yeah. It's also still out. Yeah, <laughs> trends <true>. are trends. <laughs> Do you think that Nancy Kerrigan's, like, if there were to be an I Nancy? sequel do you think that it would have like the punch that i tanya has or is her life not as no one likes the good girl ripe for the picking she's had a crazy life and it's like almost so dark that it's like hard to talk about. <laughs> like i don't really? like highlight anything like Wait, um, are you talking about nancy or nancy tanya? like her like brother killed her dad oh i didn't know that well there was Shit. like this fight that they had gotten into right before and then her father died right after from a heart attack Ooh. so then everyone was like what was what happened in this fight and then she did an interview on the today show where she was like no they, they, they weren't connected but then also it's um uh it's like yeah she was trained from like a child to be an athlete and only an athlete and um i think didn't get raised the way like you know at least you just lose out on some other things you might learn along the way and and then married um her skating agent when she was younger. So it was like, has a sort of Celine Dion quality mm. to it that is, you know, mm, little. But then, then with Nancy, you look at like, oh my God, like she should have won gold that year. That was her year. And just like to be robbed of it that way too. It's like, I mean, they're both such interesting stories. She was robbed of the gold. And then she has like a slight like attitude at the medal ceremony. Because but... Oksana Bayul redid her makeup. Yeah. And then everyone's like <laughs> shocked. I, if it was me, I would, I would have a full-blown meltdown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. So what happened was Oksana Bayul was like, whoa, whoa, I'm so excited I won the gold. Right? And so she cried all her makeup off. And then she was reapplying before the ceremony. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But then the the... TV cameras caught Nancy Kerrigan basically muttering to her coach, why is she reapplying her makeup? She's just going to cry it all off again. Oh. And apparently they were just looking for Oksana's country's music to play because they didn't think she was going to win. And so that was the <laughs> delay. But, but it was also to reply her music. That's what Nancy Kerrigan thought. But then, I mean, then you look at Oksana. Oh, now, Oksana yeah. was the Tanya Harding of Eastern, Eastern Europe. Europe. Oh, she was man. an orphan. She was like sixteen, like, and she went on a wild ride. She's a great. She's a great follow on Instagram. It is private, but she will approve you. Nice. <laughs> but That's I mean, solid. what a time! What a time! What a time! We, we'll be featuring our first Oksana painting this round with uh-huh. all the new art. So definitely come check it out. It's by Layla Freeman. It's fabulous. 
And when you guys first saw that uh, documentary that made you want to start your museum, did you feel immediately drawn to one side or the other, to Nancy or Tanya, and have your ideas about them changed as you've uh, gone on your curatorial journey? <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. I mean, I think we both were very passionate at first that like, how does nobody remember Tanya Harding the way this documentary is showing her? But then the more you talk about that, it's like, well, Nancy, too. I mean, like, you just get so passionate and, like, you want to talk about it with people who are like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. You know? <laughs> um, uh, but whose side are you on? Oh. Um, at first he was, if, when we first watched it, I was like, I'm the Tanya. Because I was, like, working overnights and not sleeping a lot. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and we were like, he's the Nancy. Because, like, in the documentary, the greatest part is they all talk about Nancy's long lines in her body. And how she had such long lines in his body. And so now it's like, well, I have the longest lines in my body. So, <laughs> and then um, we like first were like, okay, because like, when we were doing the museum, we 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 showed it through emojis, um, and on the labels, and we said that um, Tanya was the fire emoji, you know, and Nancy is the diamond emoji. I see this. But if you think about it, diamonds are made, you know. Mm. but who would I want to grab like a burger with Tanya Harding 100% yeah. absolutely I mean yeah <laughs> she's I think there's uh, she's, she's very she's a person you know <laughs> yeah. yeah one thing that I am still frustrated with to this day and I'm, I realize that I'm gonna date myself now by saying this but I was in college when this went down mm-hmm. in 1994 and um, I just wanted to know if Tanya did it or not like I know that she didn't hit with the baton but I just wanted to know if Tanya Harding was like Jeff go hire someone to hobble my competitor like she always said that she didn't she always said that she didn't know about it like there was obviously some fuckery going on where she wanted to mess with Nancy in some way Mm. but what that way was is unclear and what she knew or didn't know before the actual physical attack. Well, she says she knew about the death threat, right? That she thought it was going to be death mm-hmm. threats. It, so and I think the something. thing that we always come back to in our minds is like she it's been like 20 years since then. And there have got to have been a million times when she was offered like $20,000 or something to come out and just like, you know, just admit to it. But like O.J. Simpson cash in with his like, if I did um, it, if I did it, you know, and this is like not murder or anything. So it's like, I mean, she uh, she absolutely could have just done interview cashed in, you know, she already lost her career. She already lost. What did she have to lose? And she never did. And so that makes me think, I don't know. But here's yeah. my thing. No matter what, I mean, evidence seems to show that, like, she definitely knew about it beforehand. But even if that's true, at the end of the day, no one was murdered. No one's dead. Um, she ended up losing almost everything over this. We're now, like, 20 years out. If, like, the one thing that she's, like, saying she needs is for everyone to just pretend, like, <laughs> yeah, you probably didn't know about it. It's no skin off our back. Is it going to really change the, the flow of the world? Is, is somebody going to get hurt if we do that? No. So let's just, like, why not? Yeah, it makes her feel better. The one thing we can do is say, hey, we really messed up. 20 years ago, we all were like, nobody was standing up for you. We could have done better, blah, blah, blah. Let's make up for it. Let's just all like men in black flash ourselves and just <laughs> shit out. My instinct about it is that she was had this great gift and she was surrounded by fucking losers <laughs> and these guys had nothing better to do than to like scheme about how to make her like make sure that she won because she was they were going to they wanted to ride her coattails as far as they could mm-hmm. and they ruined her fucking life they ruined her mm-hmm. fucking like life. she surrounded herself by like absolute assholes and, like, she's going to be paying for that for the rest of her life. And it's not fair. Yeah. yeah. I think I, – I'm just so glad that the movie is cool. And, like, it's stylish. It makes Tanya look like a badass. It does. Um, it does. And that Tanya was involved. And she's got a – as far as we know, has a good relationship with them who did it. And we hear that her and Margot still email. Okay. And that the movie, it's like, you know, they've chosen a very pink theme and like, it's like clearly I think for younger people going to seem cool and like 
just hits all these things that it makes it like trendy and fun and cool and like that's very cool for tanya harding i i hope yeah <laughs> not making me look like a total yes. yeah evil demon lady yeah. so that gives us a lot of peace <laughs> you know i want to talk about some other because you have rotating exhibits right mm. I, what was up when I was at the museum? You had I think it the was, Olsen twins were hiding from the paparazzi. That was in um, that was in 2016. and we did that in a pop up, and we have some like prints and stuff. In yeah, the back. you had a couple. Of I ones think up. it was maybe our summer show. Um, was their picture painting of Lindsay Lohan? Yes. Okay, yeah, that was. Um, we did that with Pop Culture died in two thousand nine. Who's an amazing blogger? Follow him. Um, and we did Nicole Richie's um, Memorial love, Day Barbecue. I love this one. Will you explain why you decided to do Nicole Richie's Barbecue? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nicole Richie's Barbecue in 2007, uh, she emailed an invite to people. And uh, in the invite, she said, um, there'll be a scale at the door. Start starving yourselves now. And then somebody leaked the email. So then it was all these magazines where everyone's like shocked. Like, how could she? How dare she? But it was, I mean, she at the time was obviously going through an eating disorder. So it's like what we responded to was like, okay, the one time she makes a joke about it, then it's also like, no, you can't even joke about it. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, also, it was we wanted to do a show about the 2000s. And at that party, Lindsay Lohan showed up for a minute. Misha Barton was there. She left on a stretcher. And it was. Did in she really? She did, yeah. <laughs> a YouTube so video that you guys incorporated into your museum. A YouTube video called Kim Cattrall Talks uh, About Oh, we were talking about this at the yes. office. Yama Kippy Yebo. Uh, personally, my favorite exhibit we did. Yeah. Um, but yes, if you have not seen this YouTube video, immediately just immediately do that right now. It's 43 seconds. You'll thank us, and then you'll, you can send it to everybody you know. But it was, um, it was, in this, it was this HBO documentary. It's a clip from it um, that happened right after Sex and City ended, and um, Kim Cattrall was kind of leaning into her, like, smart sensuality kind of thing with her husband Mark who's like a bass player and in it it shows them what they do at home and to kind of connect and she's wearing this denim shirt and khaki pants and he's on the bass and she is um performing yamakipiebo scatting scat poetry Yamakipiebo said you'll love it um <laughs> it is it is it is it is the greatest youtube video of all time. Of all time. Yamakipiebo, cedere fakebo, in dog Latin, he quoth, uje, suffice, And we wanted to do an um, homage to that. So we did a Kim Cattrall themed show. We had a beautiful art. Matt M- Decoupage's phenomenal, sexy fireplace. And the tiles were Dutch inspired. And they were like, had scenes from all of her lovers on Sex and the City. Um, so these ice dancers, these amazing Tommy Do, he um, did an ice skating version of it, Kim Cattrall on ice. Oh my god! And he oh my god! Song, it was insane. Oh, that the art amazing. that came out, it was phenomenal. Um, but that's another one, like Kim Cattrall. It's like she, you know, she like after the Olsen twins time for the paparazzi, we just kind of wanted to lean into like. You know, like confident women in the media and how we destroy them, you know. (laughs) And Kim Cattrall is so much that, you know. So you've got the museum, Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, that's like a permanent exhibit forever, I Mm -hmm. assume. We had our we had the original pieces that were in the hallway and what we've actually we've with the release of the new movie, we've commissioned um all new art. We've made the entire backspace Tanya and Nancy. It is now a literal just like um, like the coolest thing ever, in my opinion, literally. <laughs> um, so that's going to reopen December 2nd with normal hours. And you can, um, until we're using the front as like a gift shop. Um, but like, yeah, we you can host your pet wedding there. You can host your birthday party. Um, but we're going to have normal hours. And it's going to come see the f- fantastic um, new collection. It's um, $6 unless you're a member. Um, but yeah, we're so excited about the new opening and we're so excited, um, with the new film and I think it's gonna be great. And how, how can people find out your hours and where you are and find you online? They can visit the website, THNK1994.com. Um, and, uh, all the way at the bottom, we have all the information about our hours, all that stuff, when to come and exhibits. And we have our gift shop too, where you can find... We just started a fashion line. Matt's modeling one of our um, shirts right now, but it's it says Britney's Instagram is art. That's so it's good, and it's <laughs> true. It's true. It's absolutely true. We have another one uh, that's very popular, Cast Joan Cusack more. That comes in hat. I could not agree more. Absolutely. I mean, we're... I mean, 
hey, we're just, these are little cozy takes. They're not going to change the world. How <laughs> do you choose what weird pop cultural ephemera to explore, exploit, and endorse and celebrate? Well, we have to do a lot of research, which means we watch a lot of TV. Um, mainly housewives. <laughs> uh, you have to watch a lot of uh, YouTube videos. You know, you got to read a lot of articles. You got to look at a lot of images of Naomi Campbell at parties. You know, what's going on there? Um, who's Courtney Love taking pictures with? You know? Um, yeah, if you, if you just look at Courtney Love, like an image search for Courtney Love with other celebrities, the taste level of who she's photographed with, it is out of this world. There is like not one photo of her with somebody where it's not like, oh my God, if I could be there in that moment, it would be the coolest experience of my life. I mean, Courtney Love. Yeah. But then the fact that it's Courtney Love and Naomi Campbell or who, Courtney Love, I mean, when she uh, stage dived into Madonna or whatever. I once oh, yeah. did that thing where like you pretend to take a picture of your friend so you can take pic- a picture of famous people behind your friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I took a picture of former bust editor Molly Sims with um, – Courtney Love talking to Padma Lakshmi behind her. I have that picture too. Because <laughs> <laughs> she is always talking to someone major. We Send were, us that picture, minor. please. Oh, <laughs> it was at a Vogue off, right? It was and, at the, yeah. And Jennifer off. Hudson sung um, something that made me cry. Yeah. It was there. It was at the Vogue Yeah, off. I totally cried. Have you ever seen there's this photo of Madonna at like, they're at a club or something and she's either just tired or passed out, but her eyes are like, Definitely closed. And Courtney Love has taken her arm and put it around <laughs> her and is like smiling. For this <laughs> Amazing. Well, before we let you go, we have to ask you guys the major overarching question of this whole pop cultural project that we have uh, endeavored to create. <laughs> what you watching? Uh, the View. <laughs> um, I've always watched it I never stopped I know some people did Really? You um, never stopped? Never stopped No I've been there for every Like new like Iteration of The View I love it I don't even know f- Who's on The View now It's right now It's Joy Behar's back uh, Okay Whoopi Goldberg's the moderator And then um, They have uh, Sonny Hostin Who I, I like And uh, Sarah Haynes And then Megan McCain Is now the Republican On the show and How do you feel about Megan McCain being Every Republican time on the show? they bring in A new person to fill that spot It's like Oh I I didn't realize I could disagree with somebody and really dislike somebody even more than the one before. <laughs> I really don't um, like her, uh, but that's just how I feel. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and she's been brought on, I could tell, because the person before was like, um, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like I could talk forever about this. I, the person, I, Bill Geddes is the guy who's the executive producer, is like a right-wing Republican, and that's why Ooh. I think he's brought oh. her on because she's sort of untouchable almost because it's, oh, this is Meghan McCain's daughter, so you can't really say anything bad. You know, like, because she does, I think, sometimes bring it back to where she's like, well, how could you? Because my father, John McCain, wouldn't be happy about that thing that you're saying. It's like, well, then, <laughs> oh he's literally God. a prisoner yeah. of war, so, then, so shut your fat face. Exactly. So then nobody, and it's like, okay, well, there's not really a conversation I can have with you here. And I, like, I, so I don't, it, it's, it bothers me. But I do love it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I will, I don't think I'll ever stop watching it. <laughs> I are you watch, are you watching anything else? Just Listening the view, to reading all day. anything? Oh, um, I mean, I watch a lot of Housewives. It's literally the Housewives and the View. The View is the only <laughs> thing though that I watch every day. I watch it at night on Hulu because they like post them at like five o'clock unless yeah, yeah. Oh, somebody's um, slacking sh- on the job because that's happened. Shout out to <laughs> Matt's Finsta, which is actually the Bayhive. I helped name Bayhive. it, <laughs> but it's a Joy Bayhive uh, fan account, <laughs> and it's like what is it? The B E H dash Hive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Art, it's art. I please go check it out. And he, the Bayhive, always follows back. I'll always follow back. Yeah, and the ones who have unfollowed, I know who you are. <laughs> oh um, but it's fire. It. It's fire. He works so hard on it, and um, definitely check it out. And she used to when I used to watch. Also, when I wasn't watching The View, Joy Behar did have a talk show. It was in her apartment. And there was one episode where it was her, Wendy Williams, and Susie Essman from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, my God. That's like a lot oh of my God. Power. Can you imagine? Like the, I can I, imagine. That's I'm like imagining it right like, now. Conversation. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, like, <laughs> if I could, like, the, it would just be like, I would not want to leave that room. We would talk about so much and just get real mad, but then, like, cool down. <laughs> I would get heated about things we're passionate about, you know? <laughs> Viviana. Um, at home with Amy Sedaris. 
I have not got to see it yet. Oh, Can't wait. Oh my god. I adore her so it's much. It's heaven. It's so funny. It is so funny. It is so weird. It is so it's so it's so purely her. It's so how TV should be. <laughs> it's just like it is it's warped. It's deranged. It's it's so fabulous. And the last episode Christopher Maloney was on it. Oh shit. Oh shit. De- Detective Chung Chung. Yeah. <laughs> I love what? that. And he played a park ranger. It's fabulous. Check it out immediately. Anything else? Oh, Housewives. Which um, Housewives? Oh, oh, what do you got? <laughs> New Jersey. Get back into New Jersey. We just got back into New Jersey, which is huge. Um, love Siggy. Are you guys Housewives fans? I watched New York, and I have watched Beverly Hills. I mean, I do think Housewives is such high art. Um, I will literally, like, I like, I will literally like get in a fight about it. Like, <laughs> uh, I got, I went on a, a first date, and and the guy was like. I thought you liked Housewives ironically, and I just, I lost my mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it turned out well. <laughs> uh, but, like, uh, but, yeah, um, Atlanta's back, which is really good. Kenya Moore just got married, and I was, I got to meet her at a pizza place, and, and she came in at, like, I got to see her husband before it was, like, announced it was, she was marrying him, so I feel very... Um, like I want to take care of them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like watching it, and he's like nurturing and, towards. Yeah, them. no, I'm super nurturing because I like I saw them at a pizza place at 1 a.m. and um, because of that, like when I'm watching, I see that they're having troubles. I'm like, no, call me, call me, I get it, girl, good. Um, but yeah, just just housewives maybe. <laughs> I love this. I guess I need to give housewives a try. You're not really the first person do. to come on here and say housewives. Well, yeah, because it's like older women getting real drunk and speaking their minds. Yeah. And, and so, like, if you're in for that, then you're in for that. I feel like that's fun together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you really We're get into around. it, there is, like, I mean, because now I've, like, I listen to, like, a lot of podcasts about it, too, now. And you just realize things that, like, some of them, some not all of them, but some of them are true performance artists because they go in and yeah, there's producers, but so, like I read about one housewife, Leanne Locken, who's a total star. She went to one dinner and brought her own wine glass to break it just in case that they weren't going to have glasses there. Because she was oh like, my God. I know I'm going to get so mad I'm going to break something. But that means she's producing her own like story, like thinking ahead to like bring in a wine glass, knowing what she's going to do, knowing just she's going to break breaking it. Breaking glass. And then making it seem kind of natural, uh, which takes a skill. Yeah. Are you guys going to watch the... New Floribama show. I just saw a poster for that on the subway. What is that? that? It's like the new iteration of Jersey Shore, but it's in Panama City, Florida. Is that close to Alabama? Is that part of the? I guess that's why they call it Floribama Shore. I I, I bet I'll watch. I I bet I'll, I'll I'll watch it, but like. From from the side of my face. <laughs> yeah. Like I love I love Jersey Shore because of Snooky. Mm-hmm. Without Snooky, I would not have Will there be a Snooky? Who's the next Snooky? That's what we gotta find out. Yeah. Who's a yeah. Floridian? We're gonna Snooki. sign sign the next Snooky. Oh wait, wait. Do you watch Claws? Yes. I have oh, seen the first God. part of Claws. It is the best show on television. I finally finished it this season and it is so good. Speaking of Florida, it is so good. It's like I was I watched the first episode and I think I mostly kept watching because it's Nisi Nash, but also I was so attracted to Roller. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and then Kirsty Tran is so good in it. Yeah, right? And then all of a sudden her Jane Adams role. is in it and she's her character's insane. It's like what I imagine reading a book is like. <laughs> what must reading a book be like? Oh my god! It's very good. Thank you guys so much for coming Thank to visit. Thank you for having awesome. us. Oh my god! Everybody go see Itania. <laughs> I can't wait to go to see the new collection. Yeah, yes, yes, come, come, come! It'll be very chic. We oh, we also have this new lighting where we can change it on our phone. Ooh, yeah, yes. yeah, it's high tech. So we're gonna take. Boku selfies. Yes, in <laughs> selfie town. To the max. Thank I you so much for coming. You are a font of pop cultural wisdom. We love everything that you have to say. Thank you. Thank, thank you. We'll see you soon. You've inspired me <laughs> to watch some some uh, Real Housewives and, and to check out the Joy. The Beehive. The Beehive. The Beehive. And when we good. come back, Callie, I'm going to ask you what, what you watching. watching. 
I'm Terrence Mickey, the creator and host of Memory Motel, a podcast that finds the drama and what we desperately want to remember or would rather forget. In season one, I explored such light topics as the different ways we remember the dead. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay, I'm a big procrastinator, but I'm going to die at some point, so I just want to be prepared. And to get to the bottom of Stockholm Syndrome, I returned to the bank robbery where the first person was diagnosed with it. I always felt that I did something wrong. After almost 50 years, I felt, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I did what I had to do. And I'm kind of feeling proud of myself. And... I followed a message in a bottle. He starts talking to me about a bottle with a message in it, and he says, Turks and Caicos. I'm like, and I'm, you know, I'm real expressive. You can't see me, but like, I make a lot of faces. And I look at my cousin and I real quizzically and I go, I don't know what this guy's talking about. So I says, hold on a second. I put the phone down. I'm like, what, what? And I go back on the phone. I go, okay, excuse me. What's a Turks and Caicos? I had no idea. To see where your memories take me next, please subscribe to Memory Motel wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to share your memories, please reach out to me directly on Twitter at Terrence underscore Mickey or at Memory Motel. For updates on season two, visit our website, memorymotel.audio. And we're back. Hello. Hello, Callie Watts. Tell me everything that you have been watching. Ooh, well, I saw, finally finished American Horror Story, The uh-huh. Cult. Have you caught yes. up? Yes, yes. What did you think of the finale? I thought it was slightly anticlimactic, yet also oddly satisfying. What right, it was very feministy, which I appreciated. Uh-huh. I, I would... Can't believe, so I was two episodes back, mm-hmm. the Charlie Manson one, and then he, he thinks it's the ghost of Charlie Manson, and his hallucination was like, oh, no, I'm not dead, I'm still alive. And I was like, that's what <laughs> you <anymore>. said <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they're, they're very really, prescient. They were really seeing the future on a lot of things in this season. Right. Um. So I, I liked it. It wasn't as scary as any of the other seasons to me, like, as far as like gore and thrill, but it was a real mind fuck. It was. Um, I saw this movie Split, which is M Night Shama Shama M Night Shaman. Um, it was really good. It was this guy James McAvoy, and he plays. I don't. I'm sure I've seen him in something before. Yeah, but I've seen him a million times now in this movie because he plays this person that has 23 different personalities. How do you do with that? Amazing. He was so good. Huh. It was real like just the, the acting that he delivered alone is worth watching the movie. But then at the end there's like randomly Bruce Willis in this restaurant and I see dead people. <laughs> he well he was just like turns around and he says like class in reply to this guy asking him about some like past serial killer that did the same thing and I was like I guess I'm supposed to know what that means. This was never in the movie. Turns out I'm watching a sequel to another movie the whole time. And I didn't know. This was part of a trilogy. This James McAvoy movie is part of a trilogy? Yeah. it's The movie before it was apparently called um, Unbreakable. And now there's going to be another movie coming out called Glass that they're working on now. All right. I would have had no idea if it wasn't for this random Bruce Willis thing. Well, that's interesting. It sounds like it, it could stand on its own. Yeah. It's something of like a... It's supposed to be comic book characters that are in the same world. I yeah. also didn't pick up that th- th- this was comic book related at uh-huh. all. So it was still, it, it was really good. I suggest everybody watches that one. Then I watched um, Camillo, my other half that likes uh, duty shit things, wanted to watch Future Man, 
on Hulu. That's a new series, right? Right. With and the dude from Hunger Games. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't the worst thing considering it's comic book based and I'm usually not into that kind of stuff. And it's like a dude beats a video game that had never been beat before. And then these two people from the game come to visit him and they're like, you beat the game. You must be like, have all these special powers because to them it's a training game. And he's like, no, it's a video game. That's not real life. And they were like, in our world, that's a training game. And if you do that in the video, you could do that in real life. So that's like the stick of it. But it's a uh, real dude broy humor. There's a lot of like at the beginning, the guy beats the game. So he starts jerking off about the, the lady in the game. Gross. Right. And it's like a lot of that. And I read a really good article about it um, on The Verge um, talking about how it's Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg that did it together. And a Future Man review, Hulu, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, Lazy Dude Comedy, um, based on The Last Starfighter, is the name of the article, which I don't even know how that makes sense. But um, they were like, now is not the time for shows by dudes for dudes about sex humor. And I completely <laughs> agree. Save it. Maybe if this was a couple years ago, I would have found it. I would Because I like some, I like dudes, doodly dude bro humor sometimes. But not right now, man. Don't come at me right now. Um, I saw Coming to America. Yes, Coming to America. <laughs> I had, sexual chocolate. Oh, my God. Sexual chocolate. I had forgot how many characters Eddie Murphy plays in that movie. Like 15. He plays a Jewish guy in white face. <laughs> and if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, God damn it, this is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. In whiteface. It was mind blowing. And the outfits are so good. Like the queen of the the nation that they're that She's he's supposed to be the prince queen. from. I think it may be I'm already plotting possibly next Halloween's look based on her because I th- feel like I own all her outfits already. Awesome. <laughs> it that is such that movie really stands the test of time. It's so nice when something that you loved when it first came out is still good. And then also it was like on VH one they were doing a uh Blast from the Past or something. And they also did Adventures in Babysitting. Do you remember that movie? Is that Dishes Are Done, man? No, that's um, Don't, Don't Tell Mom, Mom Don't Play Babysitter's Dead. I always one, confuse those two. This one is the one where the, um, they, they're babysitting and then like somehow they end up, oh, they have to go pick her friend up who had eye surgery and somehow they get up in a stolen car heist situation, like a nice. carjacking thing. And then there's Thor, the character Thor is in it. Oh. Uh, it's, it's starting to ring some it really held up to late 80s early 90s yeah now. that was a classic and it's still as good to this day those two are solid hits the other thing that i have been watching is she's gotta have it which i'm gonna come back with some other thoughts in a different episode so this is the new spike lee series based on the old spike lee movie that is now on netflix correct right now I'm going to have to do some Googles because I got some questions. I also need to rewatch the movie because maybe that will make this better for me because I haven't seen yeah. the movie in like forever. Yeah, me neither. Um, my first note said, what the hell is going on with the outfits? That The styling is hot, trash, garbage. It's like supposed to be based now, current time. Mm-hmm. But these outfits look like something from the 579, was that the name of that store? Or like one of those like mall stores in the 90s uh-huh. or like the, the late 2000s. And it's not like the original one was in the 90s. So that's like 90s streetwear. But this is just like really shitty clothes. Like also the, whoever did it is colorblind. So I couldn't even get past the the shitty styling That's to pay attention to what they're the saying. The clothes are usually so good in Spike Lee joints. This is terrible. There's one episode where I have no idea what, or one scene where I have no idea what's even happening because she's wearing bell-bottom jeans with like mirrors and lace detailing all over the bottom coming up the leg with a black tunic and then like some weird burnt velvet sheer jacket thing that and none of it matches and nothing coordinates. And the whole time I'm like, she's supposed to be the woman everybody wants and she really cannot dress. I had so many questions. So many questions that I couldn't get past anything. And also she has this headboard that's like all candles. So she lights like a million candles before she has sex with she has sex with a bunch that's of dudes. That's a hazard. It's so dangerous. It's very pretty, but that is 
That is beyond okay. I feel like this is supposed to be like a sexual coming of age story for a woman and that it's like okay to like sleep around and you don't have to be judged on that, which is cool. But I feel like this is the coming of age sexual woman's story told by a man. Right. That's always a bummer. Because it's just not. You can always tell. Yeah. Issa Rae needs to be involved. I need to Google why this is styled like this. And if there's one episode was written, co-written by a woman. So like that's after I started paying attention. I was like, what is going on? It sounds like I do not got to have. She's got to have it. No. And I was but so maybe I'm going to try anyway. I feel like maybe if I watch the, the movie again, there's going to be some nuances or things that match up that will make it ha- make more sense to me. The music is great. Uh-huh. I'll give it that. But other otherwise, visually, I can't get through it. That is what I've been watching. That sounds great. <laughs> I will now commence to tell you what it is that I have been watching. Of course, on Thanksgiving, I watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I watch it every year. I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving. I would I not have guessed that you were a parade. I do not enjoy watching a parade in person yeah i enjoy being in a parade like i liked being in the halloween parade once and like i think once or twice i was in the gay pride parade being we an were in ally the mermaid parade once oh yeah we were in the mermaid parade we wore tails together yeah swish swish bish somebody caught me puking in a trash can that's right took a picture and of it took a picture. Jacked. that is so rude how very rude so yeah i i like a parade if i'm in it And I don't like a parade if I'm standing on the sidelines, but I do like a parade if I'm on a couch and I'm getting all the right angles. Emily sometimes loves a parade. Sometimes I love a parade. I like seeing the music, the Broadway musical numbers. And um, Gwen Stefani performed a Christmas song and it was hot trash. And I remember when Gwen Stefani was cool and she was in No Doubt and she was like, ugh. Like, I like the old Gwen <laughs> Stefani. I don't like this new, like, watered down, like, Gwen Stefani has a Christmas album coming out. She obviously wants that Mariah Carey money. I and- knew you were saying Gwen Stefani the whole time, and I'm very aware of who Gwen Stefani is. We've had her on the cover of Us before. But in my mind, I was picturing Gwyneth Paltrow, and I was <laughs> like, I don't understand. And then it was like, wait, doesn't she sing with somebody at some time? feel like she sung and that's why that was the running commentary in the my fact head. that Gwen Stefani is making a Christmas album and that she's with Blake Shelton and that Blake Shelton is the alleged that people is, magazine sexiest man alive just makes is, me want to gag I, I mean that really even. opens up the term sexiest a lot yeah yeah new uh definition yeah obviously the word sexiest means nothing any longer didn't we, she also openly say that he's not sexy <laughs> No, she would never say that. I think she did. That's her man. Yeah, but I think she was just like, he's cute. He's not sexy or something along those lines. It's, Maybe I'm making it's it It's messed up because who? I think it was Erica, our, our uh, online editor at Bust, pointed out that the same multinational conglomerate or whatever that owns that owns the network that broadcasts The Voice owns People Magazine. Yeah. So People Magazine is just promoting The Voice by putting Blake Shelton on the cover when he's obviously not the second sexiest man alive. He's not the second sexiest man alive. (laughs) He's not the third sexiest man alive. He's not the 248th sexiest man alive. An all right man alive. He's just an all right man alive. (laughs) Maybe they should, maybe if people just said people's all right man alive, then I wouldn't be so mad. Or just like people's man alive. This man is for sure a lot. Um, so he wasn't on the parade, but Gwen Stefani was trying to get that Mariah Carey money by singing Christmas songs. I'm dreaming of Christmas just like the ones I used to know. And also, I, I think that perhaps one of the most controversial moments of the parade was that Jimmy Fallon and the Roots um, were covering Prince's Let's Go Crazy. Oh, and if you have the Roots were flawless covering Let's Let's Go Crazy. But people are like, if you have the Roots on the float, why are you letting Jimmy Fallon do the Prince vocals? That is the realest real. real That's talk. just real talk. Like, 
maybe Jimmy Fallon could have done like a cute little dance on the end of the float or something, but let Tariq or whoever sing yeah. do the vocals. I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but overall, good parade. Excellent. I, I karaoke this weekend. And I got a new one for my repertoire. I did uh, crazy on you. I go crazy, crazy on you. A little heart goes a long way. Yeah, I feel like that one's going to stay in because it's so easy to bug out on that one. They're the girl Led Zeppelin. I went to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, which um, resulted in me seeing whack, weird things that I normally wouldn't see. (laughs) Um, They were watching a 1942 comedy called The Major and the Minor. And um, this film starred Ginger Rogers and Ray Milland. And I was like, sure, I was watching and I was paying attention and I was like, surely I am mistaken about the premise of this film, but I was not mistaken. Like, here's what had happened. (laughs) So, well, this was the first American film directed by Billy Wilder. And it was like, apparently very, very popular. So it stars Ginger Rogers and she's, has his job as a scalp massager (laughs) in New York city. And like her client or her boss or somebody makes a pass at her. And so she decides to leave New York city and go home to Iowa. But when she gets to the train station, she realizes she only has enough money for a child's fair, not an adult's fair. So like she puts her hair in pigtails, like ginger Rogers is a grown ass woman. Yeah. She puts her hair in pigtails and like, convinces them that she's Scandinavian and that's why she's so tall and her name is Susu. So basically this is like how to catch a pedophile. It is. It's like to catch a predator, but it's a, it's a comedy from the 1940s. (laughs) So she talks her way onto this train saying that she's a child when she is like a grown ass ginger Rogers ass adult. And like they try to throw her off the train when they catch her smoking on the train. Um, And then this military major played by Ray Milland, sort of comes to her rescue when they're trying to toss her off the train. And he believes that Ginger Rogers is 12 years old. And it's so messy. He's like, he's like, come to my compartment and you can call me uncle. And I'm like, ew, sick, run, Ginger Rogers, run. Oh my God. But like this dude, like just because you put your hair in pigtails and say you're 12, that doesn't mean like that's not enough to convince a grown ass man that you're 12. But this whole time he's like treating her like she's 12 and he's like tucking her into bed and like telling her stories, but he's not being rapey, right? He's not being rapey, but it's like so super weird. Cause she's an adult. And then like her through like a wacky set of circumstances, the, the military dude's fiance, like, catches him with her and he's like you have to come home with me so i can prove to my fiance that you're actually a child and that i wasn't cheating on on her at all and so like it becomes this whole embroiled thing where she's still this adult ass woman pretending to be 12 like living with this adult man who's treating her like he's her benevolent uncle this is crazy and it's called the major and the minor and at the very end He's like, oh, you're not a child. You're an adult. And they make out. Like in a split. (laughs) And I was like, no, also problematic. Also, no, because you're problematic. And no, and no, and you're problematic. (laughs) But my parents loved it. They thought it was so cute. And like, Uh, I I just, they they just, they made some films back then that I found highly questionable. If I found a 12-year-old. On the train. I wouldn't just drag them off the train to tell my boyfriend that I wasn't cheating on them. I'd be like, get a phone and call your mother. (laughs) It was wild. Um, I'm reading right now Maya Angelou's final memoir. She has a whole series of memoirs. And um, I'm reading her final memoir from 2013 called Mom and Me and Mom. It came out shortly after Maya Angelou's 85th birthday. And it focuses for the first time in all of her books on her relationship with her mother, Vivian Baxter. And It'd be crazy if it wasn't about her mom. I'm just telling you. Right <laughs> right. If she called it that and her mom wasn't in it, I would be waiting shade detector waiting. Is going the on. shade detector once again goes off. <laughs> um, I highly recommend it. It is it is great writing. It really well, is. Well, it's Angelou. You can't really go wrong. Yeah, but I mean, like, she writes so many memoirs, and you're like, well, how many memoirs can one person write? But it's, you know, it's obviously... She has perfected the craft of memoir in this one. It's, re- it's really good. 
Um, and that, my friend, is what I have been watching. Ooh. Um, I would love to thank our producer, Rachel Withers, the greatest producer. Is Rachel Withers. <laughs> our pal at the listening booth, Terrence Mickey, thank you so much. And of course, our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. You can email both of us. I'm at EmilyRems at Bust.com. Callie W at Bust.com. And to find out more about Bust, visit us at Bust.com. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Like, I'm not going to front and be like, hi, I'm 12. I don't know how to get rates and reviews on iTunes. Will you please help me, mister? Like, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you right up front, I am an adult, grown-ass woman. Did she use a younger voice? She sort of, like, opened her eyes real wide and was like, oh, that's how I pretend I'm not supposed to eat candy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm an adult. I'm grown. I'm asking you one adult to another. Rate and review us on iTunes. It's what we need. I'm not going to lie to your face, like in the major and the minor. <laughs> um, it really helps us get the word out, and we super duper appreciate it. Mwah! Mwah.